Welcome, everybody, to the Glass City Game Time Podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. This is the second part, if you will, of the preview podcast to the University of Toledo and Bowling Green State University this Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Watch the game on ESPNU. We've already spoken to Nick Petrovich, who covers Bowling Green State University for the Blade. Now we're going to talk to Ashley Bastock, who covers the University of Toledo. Good morning. Good afternoon, Ashley. How are you on this chilly, it feels like fall, uh, on Saturday afternoon? I was outside earlier today, and it felt like winter, quite honestly. It was like 32 degrees out, so... Um, I'm like very worried we're going to skip fall right now, and uh, that's maybe one of my biggest concerns weather-wise. I've seen some good foliage, at least, like driving and, you know, nice colors, good orange, yellow, some red trees, but it seems like we get like a week or two of fall, at least here in Ohio, and then it's months of winter and then months of summer and like a little bit of spring, so that seems about correct, but Fall is definitely in full force when it comes to college football. We've already seen Power 5 conferences. Of course, the Big Ten has started up. But this week, the Mid-American Conference starting their six-game schedule. And Ashley, for the University of Toledo, they're coming off of what most would say is a disappointing 6-6 season. They miss out on a bowl game. And going into this year, a lot of retooling for the University of Toledo. There's a quarterback battle. There are two new defensive coaches who who have been well-documented and who we are going to discuss even further on this show. Looking forward to the game this Wednesday, you've talked to Coach Jason Candle. You've talked to multiple players about the rivalry. Looking back at last year's game, some of the players that played in that contest and obviously a big disappointment for the for the University of Toledo, what are some of those players, let's start here, that – played in that game last year. What are they saying about looking forward to playing it this year? Well, actually, I've been more interested in talking to some of these players who didn't get to play in the game last year. So number one for me was talking to Bryce Harris, who was obviously out last year with an injury. He missed the entire season. Um, He's entering his sixth year now at Toledo. Um, And, you know, I asked him, what was it like for you to have to sit there and sit on the sidelines and kind of watch what ended up unfolding unfold? And he just said, basically, like, it hasn't sat well with him all year. He's been thinking about it nonstop, that it was a, a situation for him that since he wasn't playing, he wished he could do more. Um, that he could have, obviously he wasn't on the field, but he said, I wished I could have done more from a leadership perspective. Um, and I think that has been a big motivating factor for himself. And he said that he looks back at that game and that's one area that he critiqued himself on is how he could make more of an impact as a leadership guy. And I think he already was a top leadership guy on this team to be clear. Um, But I really think he said he's learned a lot about that. Um, The other interesting person that I talked to this week was Jonathan Jones, who's, you know, a new linebacker for Toledo. He graduate transferred in from Notre Dame. Um, And what's interesting about him is he's not from the Midwest. He's from Florida. Um, He obviously went to school a few hours to the West, but he didn't, he says, you know, I don't really, I didn't grow up like knowing this rivalry. I didn't really know much, but talking to him, you can tell how fired up he is for this game. Um, So that was definitely interesting too, to see a newcomer like that and what his thoughts are on the rivalry. 
it sounds like after last year's game, there was a real deflating feel to that team. Last year, the Rockets lost their final three games of the season, and a, a team that had bowl game aspirations obviously didn't get there. This game was looked at as kind of the downfall for the Rockets season, or rather the beginning of the end of it. Is there a sense of we can't let this happen again in a negative sense? Because there's obviously that fear that, okay, Bowling Green did it last year. They could do it again. Or what are the players or even Jason Candle saying about going into this game and having that confidence that, okay, they can look past last year and use that maybe even as fuel for getting a win this year? Yeah, Jason Candle actually had a great quote on this this week where he said, you know, that he thinks they let that game beat them more than once. And it's true, they did. I mean, they went two and four after that loss. And like you said, they lost the final three games. And I think he said, let's call a spade a spade, that that's what happened that he didn't do. He said, I didn't do a good enough job on my end as a head coach of getting my team back and ready to you know, go following that game and that loss. So he said that he thinks they've grown. And, you know, I did ask him too, like, do you think that, as a whole, that there's, you know, more mental toughness now um, after experiencing something like that. And, you know, he did kind of say that you have 12 opportunities a year to be evaluated, essentially. Obviously, this year they only have six. And that if you aren't growing between those 12 opportunities, that typically in a normal year, there's 353 other days that coaches have to evaluate their players and get them ready. So, um, you know, I think that he said that they got to learn lessons from that game. And I think the quote was that we got to take our medicine and we got to move on. So I think that's kind of how they look at it, that it hopefully now is a learning experience and that the same thing won't happen this year now. Last year, the Rockets had to use three quarterbacks in the game. One of the big offensive storylines for the University of Toledo in the offseason has been a quarterback battle. And on their first official depth chart released on Thursday, it reads Eli Peters or Carter Bradley or Daquan Finn. Finn, of course, a redshirt freshman out of Detroit. What's the sense that you're getting on this quarterback battle? Is it possible that we could see all three in some capacity against Bowling Green? You know, Jason Campbell said he doesn't think that he's not expecting to rotate three quarterbacks this season. And that's really the only concrete insight that we've gotten into this battle because him and, you know, new quarterbacks coach and co-offensive coordinator Robert Wiener have both said experience isn't the main factor here. Um, obviously, with practices closed, like I, I'm not able to tell people how many reps each are taking with the first team, but what they're saying is that everyone is taking reps with the first team. Number one, just given the fact that this is a strange year and obviously you get a positive test and a guy is out for a couple of weeks, everybody has to be ready to go. So that's understandable. But also Jason Candle has pointed out that they essentially lost their whole spring. I think they got three practices. They lost a significant portion of their summer. So as of right now, they're saying, I should say as of this past Thursday, they're saying that the battle is still ongoing. They want to give these guys as long as possible to compete with one another. Um, that the person who does start on Wednesday will know ahead of time. But he's been, Jason Candle has been very upfront and said, I'm not setting a deadline for myself to make this decision. Like, we'll know when we know. And like I said, obviously, what's going on behind closed doors, I don't want to speculate on. But 
that's what we know so far that we're being told the battle is ongoing. Um, obviously, you look at these three guys, Eli Peters has the most experience, but it's hard to tell how much that will factor in when they are explicitly saying, well, that, that wouldn't be fair if, if a really good underclassman comes in. Like, I would expect to play if I was that person. Um, so, so we'll see, I guess. But um, I doubt we will know before Wednesday. I don't expect, like, them to make an announcement or anything to the general public or to the media. It's a very important decision for many reasons. But looking at last year's game, again, we saw two of those three. Finn, obviously, a red shirt. So I feel like just on the outside looking in, we could see all three in some capacity. Certainly Finn's athletic ability to run could be a factor. I'm more intrigued at the fact that the Rockets just laid a complete dud last year offensively. They really couldn't get much going against Bowling Green. Granted, Bowling Green's defense stopped them three times out of four in the red zone. Toledo committed far more penalties than Bowling Green did. They played really one of the sloppiest games that you'll see in this rivalry, at least that we have seen recently. So has Candle spoken about cleaning up some of the minor points of the game from last year? Has he related much of last year's game to what we could see this year? No, you know, I think when you talk to him especially, it's it's more about wanting to – move on from that, you know, and like take the lessons that they learned and, you know, recognizing that that did happen over a year ago now. So that's the sense that I get is this team doesn't really want to look back, which, um, you know, I I guess you could say is kind of like coach speak type of thing. Right. But um, I mean, I do get that though, to some extent, because it was over a year ago and a lot of things have changed and um, it's, certainly is going to be interesting but I you know I don't think that there's nothing off the top of my head when it comes to specific things that happened in that game last year that they are worried about cleaning up I guess it's you know more of these broad critiques of themselves that they've given that um, are looking at the season as a whole as opposed to what happened in one game and I think it's important to remember that last year was the first time in like nine years that Toledo didn't have a winning record now granted they didn't have a losing record either but it was still obviously a down year by everyone's standards and especially given the preseason hype going into 2019 so I think overall it's some of these you know broader self-criticisms that they've publicly talked about in the middle of a quarterback battle, having a stout running game is very important. And last year, Bryant Kobach and Shaquille Seymour were held to a collective 89 yards rushing against Bowling Green. Have you heard from either of them about the matchup? How do they perceive going into this game? How do you think Toledo's run game could, lack of better phrasing, carry this offense on Wednesday? Yeah, well, I, I haven't talked to Shakif Seymour yet, um, just obviously given the fact that I'm so new to this beat. I'm still in the process of meeting everyone and getting to talk to all the players and that sort of thing, which is pretty standard. Um, and then Bryant Kovac, I haven't talked to uh, since the beginning of October, but I did do a story back then just on, you know, the relationship between the two when it comes to the offense. And especially, I think, you know, given that, We are in the Midwest, given how late the season is starting. Those two are going to be super important for this offense just because, you know, you're not going to be able to throw the ball 
30 times and expect to win football games. You really do need that sound running attack, especially, like I said, when we get into this cold weather portion of the season that I think is going to come a lot sooner than any of us are expecting. So um, from talking to Bryant, at least, they just seem like they work really well together, that they kind of thrive on this healthy competition that they have going uh, in the room. But, you know, I think they really really do represent maybe the best one-two punch on the ground in the MAC. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Maybe Jared Patterson as far as a talent at running back, but when you look at a one-two punch, yeah, that's pretty hard to dispute. So looking at the preseason Mid-American Conference coaches poll, Toledo's projected to win the West Division, but not by a wide margin at all. Toledo gets four first-place votes, for 54 points. Western Michigan right on their heels at 53 points. Central Michigan at 52 and Ball State at 50. So four teams separated by four points in the preseason MAC coaches poll. Toledo, obviously, like we talk about, the overarching theme from last year is that it was a disappointing season. And Campbell said it, as you mentioned here, that they let Bowling Green beat them more than once. So What's your outlook on the Mac West? Do you think that first place ranking for Toledo could hold up? Yeah, I mean, I picked Toledo to win the Mac West, but obviously um, the parody in the Mac is maybe its most recognized characteristic, right? Um, so, you know, lots of weird things can happen in this league. And Jason Candle said recently, you know, he, he's been in the conference for since I think like 2009. Um, and nobody knows better than him how competitive this league is. So um, I'm always like hesitant. I personally um, hate doing predictions because I hate being wrong. And I look back and I'm like, oh God, I was such an idiot. But, you know, I think truthfully, that's who I picked to win the West. And I picked Buffalo to win the East in the media poll. Um, and then I picked Buffalo to be the conference champions, just given all their experience they bring back. They had one of the most prolific offenses in program history last year. Um, but I digress. I, I just think there's so much parity in this league. It's really, really hard because strange things can happen. Strange things can happen in a six-game season, especially. Um, and we found out this week that when it comes to rankings, that winning percentage is going to be number one when the MAC determines those. So, for example, a 4-0 record is better than a 4-1 record. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting and could pre present some drama and intrigue, if you will. And, of course, we learned that in the Mid-American Conference, if you want to qualify for the title game, you have to play three games. That's uh, the announcement that John Steinbrecher made the other day. And that just brings to light the kind of time that we're living in, the obvious coronavirus pandemic going on. And we're seeing major college football programs get knocked out, uh, knocked down and knocked out because of this. Looking at this season, it's a six-game sprint. There's not much room on the schedule for wiggle room. Let's say that the University of Toledo is at the top of the conference and then something gets knocked down and here we are in, in central Michigan or somebody passes them because of win percentage. I think that's a fascinating dynamic. Has Candle or any of the players that you've spoken to talked about this pandemic and playing during it and how weird this season just could be? Jason Candle did talk about that on the Mac coach's call and I kind of followed up on it when we got him uh you know as local media later and he talks about you know a typical week that the kid with what the players are asked to do right now 
they're asked, they get there in the mornings for team meetings or position meetings at 7 a.m. Um, they go to practice. They do post-practice, I think, video meetings with their position coach. Then they have study tables in class. They get tested for COVID four times a week. Um, their meals are in like a grab-and-go type setting now. Um, and then it, it, the structure is just totally different. So it's they're asking a lot more for them than in a no, normal year. Um, the, the players have essentially isolated themselves in their own little bubble, right? Um, you know, he talked about you, you can't just go into a gas station anymore and stand in front of a cooler and pick what kind of Gatorade you're going to get because, um, you know, somebody who's sick could walk past you and breathe on you the wrong way. So uh, there's a lot, I think, at play. And, you know, he talked about when they preach accountability, they do all this stuff. And he said, that's what our program is kind of designed to do, right? So it sounds like he feels like they're meeting the moment right now. And, you know, obviously, hopefully, given the numbers being what they are in the state, things can stay that way. Um, but I think, like I said, I think it will be kind of interesting to see what the reaction is and what were to happen. For example, let's say Toledo goes five and one and Central Michigan goes five and oh, and how that will be handled and talked about and all that sort of stuff. Um, but like I said, I'm kind of hoping that obviously everyone gets to play their complete seasons. And obviously that might be asking too much with what we're seeing around college football right now. But I definitely think that if games are canceled, there is going to be some drama in that regard. Over the past week, there have been bold predictions written about the season. What is your boldest prediction for the University of Toledo in 2020? Well, I think the boldest prediction is that they're MAC champions, right? Like, in theory, this is a team that could very well accomplish that. They could easily go undefeated, I think. Um, so that would be my boldest prediction. But I don't know how bold that is because our expectations are pretty high for them, right? So um, that's really all I can offer, I guess, at this point. So not, not super bold, but I don't think it's out of the question. Fair enough. And last but certainly not least, what is your prediction for Wednesday's game? Wednesday's game, I am going Toledo, let's say 28-14 if we want a score prediction. Which I think would entail Bowling Green covering, by the way. I haven't seen a, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen a uh, point spread for it yet. I don't know exactly when those come out. So uh, that, might be a, that might be a BG cover. So that might be a little closer than people would think. But... Uh, for entertainment purposes only, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for, I said, I'm hoping for an entertainment type game in, in that prediction. And um, obviously, I think no matter what teams are playing, blowouts are less fun to watch than close games. So um, that's kind of my rationale and the fact that obviously it's longer than normal layoff, um, all that sort of stuff. It's been a strange preseason. Lots of weird things I think could happen that we're not foreseeing. So that's what I'm going to go by like two touchdowns. Well, which could happen. This could be a close game. We, the fact of the matter is in some cases we don't know. Obviously last year Toledo was what a three touchdown favorite and 26 and a half, 26 and a half. So four touchdown favorite essentially. And we know what happened there. So maybe this is a, a year that Bowling Green, if they don't pull off a second straight upset that they keep it close, which Maybe that'll make your prediction of an entertaining game come true. And especially, I think it's such a fascinating factor that we don't know who Toledo's 
starting quarterback is. Maybe they know, and maybe they have the game plan sort of tailored already to that quarterback. But I think that's one of the, if not the biggest storyline going into this game is who's going to be under center for Toledo to start it off. So that's definitely something to monitor. Over the course of the week, Ashley, what's some of the coverage plan that you have? Uh, Maybe even preview in the game or where can we find some of that stuff? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a sort of preview on the game, I guess. But really looking back at some of these key players who I've talked to um, about the game last year and what they kind of learned from it. Um, And then I should have a story up on Jonathan Jones, that Notre Dame graduate transfer as well. Um, Super interesting story and how he got to Toledo. So uh, that's all I know for sure right now. And then obviously we'll see what happens in the game on Wednesday. Where can we find your content? You can find it, uh, obviously, on ToledoBlade.com if you go to the sports section in our UT tab and also on Twitter at AshleyBastock42. There you go. We're looking forward to it, Ashley, and thank you for the time. I know you're busy trying to get everything together for this week, and uh, we'll be in touch probably to recap the game next week. We'll see. Uh, But have fun, first and foremost. College football's back. That's the big thing. Good luck with coverage this week. We're looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Corey.